Hello and welcome to the OnlySpans podcast, a podcast that I still can't believe CoreLogix actually gave me money to make. We're going to cover everything from DevOps, cloud observability, cloud architecture, and much, much more. All great ideas that are going to level up your craft and make you a much better engineer and hopefully save your company a little bit of money in the process. All of this, and we're not going to take ourselves too seriously, so that when you're in your bed at 3am and that production alarm goes off, you are 100% ready to go. Let's get started. So, your intern spun up another fucking database, did they? And now you're listening to a podcast episode about infrastructure as code to stop little Timmy from messing up your shit again. You poor, poor bastards. Well, okay, let's do it. Infrastructure as code, what is it? Um, here's the thing. <sighs> There's so much marketing bullshit here. I'll, I'll get, okay, let me get down to like the base of what's going on. Infrastructure as code is really simple. Traditionally, what you would do is you would open up your cloud provider and you would say, I would like a database, please, or I would like a server, please. And you would click buttons and you would get one. They say, I would like another server, please. Uh, and you would click a series of more buttons. And what happened over time was the way of sort of customizing these servers become more complex. And in that complexity, more clicks. The more clicks, the more difficult it became to repeat it. And after a while, you had what was called unrepeatable infrastructure. So you had issues of drift between your environments. So drift happened when your development environment looked nothing like your production environment, which has happened. I'm laughing because it happened to me a lot. But the idea is really straightforward. You know, if you, if everything's about clicks and then like little Timmy just goes on a rampage through dev because you haven't given him prod access because you don't trust that little bastard, um, then your dev suddenly starts to drift from your prod and all of your testing in dev is basically useless, which is, you know, fun. So the, the, the idea of this episode is just to give you some advice before you really embark on that journey, because the thing is, is that it, it does solve a lot of problems. So infrastructure as code typically takes the form of things like Terraform. Sometimes Kubernetes operators now actually see a lot of that. Uh, CDK, CloudFormation, and there's lots and lots of options. Um, but I would say the most common by a mile is Terraform. Almost everybody I talk to is using Terraform or CDK. CDK is becoming common, but it seems to have died a little bit now. Um, cloud formation for the big AWS shops, but all that YAML, no thank you. So before you start on the journey, you have to understand some basic models. So you have two choices, okay? Option number one is really simple. You have your application code in its own GitHub repository, for example. And then you say, right, I'm going to put the infrastructure for this code alongside it. So you have a folder that's like infra and you have a bunch of Terraform files. That's cool. Um, and the really nice thing about that is you go to the one repository and you can see everything about how this application is run, what's, what it's good for, so on and so forth. But, of course, there's always a drawback to pretty much everything that you do in engineering. Of, of course, this means that your infrastructure becomes scattered in all sorts of different places. Now, for some people, that's not a big deal because it's like, well, I only care about the infrastructure through the lens of the application. So I'm essentially indexing it by application. That's pretty good. But, 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 but. Then you run into a problem, uh, which is everyone starts doing slightly different things with their platforms. So you don't actually build a shared knowledge repository of infrastructure as code. You, you end up with like a bloody scattered mess of databases all configured slightly differently and um, a servers all wired up slightly differently using different images and so on. So you lose the ability, in short, to standardize and create an infrastructure platform. You just end up with a bunch of infrastructure. So it's very difficult to be strategic about your decisions across all of your infrastructure. Okay, so flip that on its head. Naturally, your other option is to then create a sort of infrastructure repository in which you define all the infrastructure for a given environment. 
Now this is really cool for a couple of key reasons. One, if you want to bring up a new environment, new like, so let's say you've got like dev stage and prod and you want to bring up like a pre-prod or a QA or a UAT environment, doing that is a lot easier. Copy the folders, set up some basic uh, configuration AWS, make sure the account numbers are all matching and stuff like that, um, and then just apply. And it should, at least in theory, uh, and in theory is the very is doing a lot of heavy lifting in the world of Terraform, let me tell you. You should be able to make a repeatable environment. Also, Drift is really easy to detect, or it's easier to detect because everything's in the same repository. So you can say, whoa, 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 in dev, we do it this way. Why have you decided to do it differently in prod? Um, and so on. So, so there's a lot of different problems there. Um, so my recommendation, uh, I, I have done it both ways. I would say the central repository is the one that causes the least number of headaches. Um, so I would, I would generally lean towards that these days. Next problem. You wanted to find multiple environments. Of course, everybody has multiple environments these days. Or some people actually do everything in prod. I call those people fucking lunatics. Um, but you have multiple environments. Do you have like a folder dev, a folder stage, and a folder prod? And when you want to promote from dev to stage, you would like copy the infrastructure from dev to stage. I would strongly recommend against this. Instead, have a single infrastructure definition that's powered by variables and have different variable files for dev, stage, and prod. That way, a new environment is simply a new variable file. Um, and if you do the engineering right, so you make sure that everything is truly a variable that needs to be, so account numbers and uh, IP address ranges and so on, they all need to be variables because they'll be different for different environments. Um, that way, uh, you also kill drift, a lot of drift, because there are no longer multiple definitions for dev, stage, and prod. Instead, there is one definition and you plug variables into it. So strongly, strongly recommend single definition of infrastructure powered by variables for configuration. That way, really easy, really straightforward. Um, it's going to make your life a hell of a lot easier. So then the question then becomes, what tooling do you use? And this is like always heated. It's always a freaking nightmare. Terraform has this, this promise that you're cloud agnostic, which is, and I, I cannot underscore this, more bullshit. It's absolute nonsense, okay? Because in Terraform, you have these things called providers. So a provider, you have like the AWS provider, and that has all of the AWS resources you can use. By the way, CoreLogix has a nice Terraform provider for CoreLogix resources. You can Google CoreLogix Terraform and you'll be able to see it. Anyway, so the Terraform provider, well, it, the idea is it acts as an abstraction. It just fucking doesn't. It does not. It's a lie. It's nonsense. The truth is really, really simple. Um, you just end up writing like AWS Terraform or GCP Terraform or Azure Terraform or DigitalOcean Terraform. So the idea that it's vendor agnostic is bollocks. Um, and, and don't believe it. Do not just reject it outright. Reject the, abandon the idea of vendor agnostic infrastructure as code. People like to claim it. You, you will always, always break that abstraction paradigm um, uh, within the first 10 minutes of what you're doing because every single cloud is configured slightly differently. So hard to make a single um, sort of uh, interface into all of the different things because you'll have different capabilities. You'll offer different services. And if you abstract things too heavily, best case, you end up missing out on a bunch of great services that exist in each cloud provider. So beware of the heavy abstraction thing. And, and to be honest, you're not going to be moving clouds that often. So don't worry too much, too heavily about the sort of cloud lock-in that people sometimes cry about. It's just another problem that we have because we don't have enough problems in our lives because we're overpaid, slightly depressed weirdos. So essentially, when you're, when you're embarking on your infrastructure's code journey, first question, where do you put the code? My recommendation, in one place. Second question, do you have multiple definitions for infrastructure? No, you power things with variables. So in Terraform, just look up variable files 
standard as part of pretty much any tutorial. Definitely use it. Third thing, uh, look for tooling. Just pick the thing people like. CDK was a nice promise because you use like JavaScript, like Node.js to write your uh, infrastructure. That opened up things like loops and you could use a familiar C-based language. That was cool. It just doesn't seem to have taken off. Um, Terraform seems to be the biggest game in town. So when you think about hiring people, most people will have experience with Terraform if they have a DevOps background. There's also options of things like Ansible um, and a bunch like Chef and that kind of thing. They're less common. Terraform seems to have won the mindshare here. So um, go with the majority. It seems like a safe place to be. Um, but just be aware. Um, vent, the promises of vendor agnostic code, well, it's just nonsense. Ignore it. Okay, so you know where you're going to put your code and you know what language you're going to put the code in. How do you apply it? Who can apply it? Well, from where is it applied? There are a few things that I would definitely recommend. So firstly, um, using something like Terragrunt um, to make sure, to guarantee that applied are done in the same way. Um, in the case of Terraform, there's one thing you have to be really aware of, and that is an idea of state, okay? So when you're, when you're working with Terraform, you have a state file. The state file basically tells Terraform what was last applied. That is then diffed against the truth, which is like the, the infrastructure that exists. And whenever you, whenever you like um, click, you type Terraform apply, what'll happen is it will say, hey, we're about to make these changes. That's based on the state file. It's gonna get spicy, okay? Uh, because that state file can get out of sync, overwritten. So what you can do is you can create remote state by storing it, for example, in AWS context in S3 and the cloud providers have their own as well. Um, and what that means is that everybody shares the S3 file, but you have to set up locking, pessimistic locking. You do not want multiple people applying to the same state file at the same time because it's going to cause all kinds of horrors to happen in your life. So pessimistic locking of your state file is going to make your life easier. Definitely go down that route. Um, but remote state is a must. I, would, I wouldn't go anywhere near any. I wouldn't do a single apply without it. I would strongly recommend um, you do that. Next question. Okay, so um, you now you know where to put your state, where to put your code, what language to write it in. Um, and the, 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 to, to close off that question is how do you apply? You can use a CI/CD pipeline. To be honest with you, and this will probably get me in some trouble, I have worked in environments where it was all done through CI/CD. I've worked in environments that it was done through a kind of GitOps approach, actually, which was kind of cool. There was an operator that was doing Terraform applies within Kubernetes. It was, it was clever. Um, to be honest... Just devs applying from their Macs and, 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 you know, decent engineering practice being employed it kind of just worked. Um, it didn't seem to have much of a problem. Um, we had sort of standardized apply scripts and those apply scripts would run um, terror tests, uh, unit tests. It would also run um, scanning to look for common problems with the resources. Um, and that way we automated a lot of the code review. Um, and then in terms of like code review, we would generally advise that people work in a branch-based workflow and merge into the, into the main branch. You can do trunk-based development if you want, um, but you just have to be aware with trunk-based development that as you're adding code, other people may want to apply uh, and that becomes a problem. So when you structure your code, break it down into lots of small modules. Lots of small modules will maximize the number of people that can work simultaneously because they can all work on different modules and the different modules will access their own different part of state. So that way your life is much, much easier. Okay, so strongly recommend uh, small modules, uh, but one single repository. So this is just a very brief introduction to infrastructure as code. We're going to do a lot more on infrastructure as code as we go. Maybe some deep dives into Terraform, some deep dives into... 
CDK maybe, although I don't know if any, is anyone out there even using CDK these days? I'd love to find out. Um, just a quick thank you to our sponsor, CoreLogix. CoreLogix is a full stack observability provider. It's really cool. Um, it, it's, the, the really amazing thing is that it offers um, essentially an infinitely scaling data set that you can query whenever you like um, and you pay you pretty much half your observability bill uh, from your previous observability provider. We do it all the time. And um, yeah, check us out. So the only one of the only companies in the observability space that offer a true cost optimization toolkit. Everyone else will just tell you to delete stuff. We will actually help you to optimize your costs and visualize your spend. Um, so we're the good guys in summary. So check us out at Coralogix.com, C-O-R-A-L-O-G-I-X.com. Check us out on Twitter at Coralogix. Or you can talk to me, Chris underscore Cooney, C-H-R-I-S underscore C-O-O-N-E-Y on Twitter or X, whatever. Um, and on LinkedIn, just look for Chris Cooney Coralogix. I'm the doofus wearing the Coralogix polo shirt with the Britney Spears microphone thing. Um, and yeah, give me a shout. I'd love to hear more about what you would like to hear in these episodes. Um, and if you have any horror stories about observability or, or just generally in DevOps, I would love to know. I'd love to get some guests on the podcast at some point. Uh, so it's not just me rambling at you, you poor, poor people. Um, so yeah, please let me know. And uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode today. It was just a quick, quick introduction to infrastructure as code. And the idea is it's a bit of a 101 for people who are just getting warmed up. So thank you very much. <laughs>